0: My name's Tim Folta, I'm uh, the STR division chair, and it's, uh, uh, we're here to honor um, one of our finest scholars, Sijin Chang. I'm particularly pleased to be doing this Si uh, Jin and I are, are nearly the same vintage. I think he has me by a year or two, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his work and the work of his contemporaries and his advisors actually inspired me quite a bit. So when the opportunity uh, came to interview Si Jin, I jumped at it. Uh, I, I, you know, I know him, um, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, I took this as an opportunity to get to know him a little bit better we work in the same uh, space and, and I'm a big fan of his work so it's certainly a pleasure to be here um and to tell you the truth I the, the only other uh, Meet the Scholar interview I did was with his advisor Harbir Singh uh, I think it was back in back in July mm-hmm. so it's a pleasure mm-hmm. to be here with yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with him so let me tell you a little bit about uh si Jin. um he uh, is currently at National University of Singapore, where he's the Lim Kap Kim San Chair Professor. Uh, he got his PhD in 92. Uh, sorry, Sijin. I, I expressed the the timing there uh, at uh, at Orton, mm-hmm. um, and his advisor was Harbier. Uh, he has many citations. Um, he's got at least 28 publications. I think this undercounts. Uh, and he's got uh, several in Korean journals. Uh, he's well awarded. He won the division's best paper award at the 2012 conference. He's a fellow. Uh, he's been inducted as a fellow at AIB. Um, uh, he's won several awards uh, in Korea, um, recognized for his research. Interestingly, and I'll ask him about this a little bit later, he's also got some books. Um, uh, these are just uh, four books he has in English, and, and they're all with top publishers, Oxford and Cambridge and and uh, Wiley and so forth. So fabulous.
1: And I'm not even mentioning
0: the Korean books, so maybe you can tell us a bit about those. Um, he's contributed to the division uh, as, um, as an editor, uh, both with the ICC and, and SMJ, um, uh, and Jeps, uh, and he's on editorial boards at uh, present and previously. Uh, he's uh, worked with PhD students, and you know, I suppose most people that are on know where his research design, uh, uh, is, how it's defined, and and, and what uh, what the bounds of it are. But uh, but it's it's reasonably broad in the area of corporate strategy, foreign direct investments. Um, non-market strategies recently, uh, entry and exit um, uses um, resource-based based theory, evolutionary theory, um, uh, diversification and so forth. So it's it's a pleasure, a pleasure to have you see, Jin, and I look forward to uh, um, chatting with you over the next few, little bit. For those of you who are on, we'll probably, um, uh, do a back and forth with Sejin for about 45 minutes and then have a dialogue uh, with you folks. Okay so welcome Sejin. Any um, oh. initial comments? Or?
2: Well thank you very much for inviting me uh, for this event. <laughs> I'm really honored to be invited and part of this uh, STR initiatives. Uh, I'm, you know, in this time of COVID, and I'm really uh, glad to meet many uh, our colleagues and future colleagues. So I'm really happy to be here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I um, I uh, was a PhD student back in '92 thinking I wanted to do a dissertation on strategic groups. And, you know, at Purdue, where I was going, we have a tradition of strategic mm. groups. And I went to the 90, I think it was the 92 Academy of Management. And I saw uh, Dong Jae Kim uh, present a paper on technological platforms. And I thought, oh, using real option theory. And thought, oh, this is cool. This is, this is cutting edge stuff. Mm. And so I, I read that paper and, and uh, was directed to some of Sijin's work uh, when he was fresh out of, fresh out of Wharton. So, w- would you mind talking a little bit about uh, your experience at Wharton and and um, how that shaped you, and and uh, and a little bit about your dissertation research? Mm.
2: Well. Sure, 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 sure. And uh, I must say I I'm, I was very lucky <laughs> to be at Wharton at that point of time. Probably was uh really high point at the Strategy uh, Peace Program. Uh, I joined the 88 and finished at 92. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have Javier Singh as advisor. And I also have a Bruce Kogut uh, and a Dan Levinson and the Ned Bowman, probably, I'm not sure how many people would know uh, Ned Bowman, but he's really a, a great scholar, very old gentleman, but very clear, crisp mind and uh, thinking. And uh, I also have a Hubert Tinyoung for marketing on the methodology. So it's kind of all-star team. <laughs> but you know, the, it was all luck. And when I applied for the PhD program, I have no idea what Walton was about. <laughs> so it was back in 1988. And uh, I was uh, like a graduate student econ- economics program at the uh, Seoul National University in, in Korea. And actually I had no idea of what PhD program there are. And uh, I applied based upon app, in that after, after I realized that it was based on MBA ranking. So I just, just looked at the top 10 MBA school and uh, wrote them to send me an application form. And, uh, and, and by the time uh, my wife also applied for a PhD program, and she's a music uh, compos She was doing music composition PhD. So both of us applied to school at the same time. So closest place we got admission with the scholarship was the the Wharton for me and the Columbia for my wife. Mm-hmm. So actually, mm-hmm. we literally look at the map and we, and, and measure them the distance.
1: Oh my uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, with, okay. <laughs> You.
2: I'm your phone. Okay. Hello. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so it was it was a fun funny story. Okay. So it was so we look at the map and decide it was close enough. So we we foolishly to arrive in Philadelphia and New York City and then decide where to live. And we we look around the uh, place to live in Philadelphia and also New York City or somewhere in the middle like a Princeton. And finally we decided to live in uh the Philadelphia, which probably was cheaper. And then then my wife commuted from Philadelphia to New York City. So it, it was really, I was really you know dumbstruck. And I didn't know about the PhD program who are there in the faculty. And I arrived there at Walton and realized that you know the Water at that time has a you know really great strategy faculty. So I work with Bruce Cole and Javier Singh and closely, and also Dan uh, gave us a good, uh, give me a good feedback. So my dissertation was, you know, the team mentioned uh, that it was a blend of evolutionary theory and uh, the corporate strategy at that time. So it was diversification, uh, the evolutionary perspective of diversification and and corporate restructuring. I think that that is the title of my 1996 SMJ piece uh, was, you know, it, I took uh, several years to publish that. And uh, well, I actually, I got the idea from being a TA in a hobbyist class. So hobbyisting thing was teaching an MBA class to on the corporate uh, developments, mergers and acquisition. I was doing this PhD <laughs> I, with, with TA. And in, in his class. At one class, uh, he discussed the Philip Morris case. Mm. Mm. So there's a Philip Morris uh, tobacco company trying to diversify into, you know, into many different areas.
0: Right, trying to develop their yeah. capabilities, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a really interesting case. So the case described that Philip Morris did have no idea where to diversify. So initially bought the uh, Wiggly, a trinket company at the time. Mm-hmm. And then um, it tried, it didn't work it out. And then later uh, it tried again for the razor company, means razor like Gillette, and it didn't work out. So after a couple of the, acquisi- couple of the acquisition, uh, Philip Morris realized that, okay, for my next uh, diversification move, uh, I will buy a company with marketable size and uh, the, it has to be uh, not price sensitive so I can use my advertising and know-how. So I think the most successful divorce can move was Miller Acquisition. So being a TA sitting on the back of the class <laughs> and students talking about all the like, uh, you know, trial experiment, mm-hmm. uh, what you call now, a Philly like Morris did on diversification. So give me some idea of, you know, maybe the firm doesn't have a very clear idea of where to go. So it was very much like doing a search for the new business to enter. Mm-hmm. At the same time, look internally, which business to exit. So the diversification and restructuring is actually a continuum of the sequential entry and exit. That's become a developed basis for my dissertation. So.
3: Uh, Tim, so, before, sorry, sure. Tim. before you go on, would you mind sure. uh, sharing the screen?
0: Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, is there some funny pictures? <laughs> no, no,
0: no.
2: OK, so it's good. So I can see everybody in uh, a much bigger picture.
0: <laughs> oh, OK, that's a great story, Sijun okay so yeah you can see how you get a mix of you know the learning the organizational learning so you get leventhal uh the sequential entry stuff you get kogut uh you get kogut's influence there Uh, and Harbier, of course in in the context uh mergers and acquisitions and and his expertise in the resource space so so fabulous That, that that's helpful um uh can you talk a little bit about some of those characters that you work with, some of the personalities, the people that we hold in such high esteem
2: well the well the, you know Javier is a really a great person to work with <laughs> I think the one thing uh what great virtue of Javier is uh he's very pragmatic, <laughs> so he knows what can be done. <laughs> So he doesn't push you too hard to 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 spend another another one or two more years at PhD program. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly you know how much he can push and and he's very pragmatic and very helpful. So in a sense, he's really a great uh, dissertation advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bruce Kovat is uh, he's very creative and uh, he's very critical and uh, he has a sharp mind. And uh, he has always looking for a new idea. And uh, he, he even though he studying from economics, and he went to the sociology and political science. And uh, I was really amazed by his intellectual diversity. <laughs> and. Uh, well, Ben, uh, <laughs> as you know, he's also very much, you know, uh, clear thinker, and uh, you know he he has a model in his mind, so he can explain as if he's writing a like equation for the model. Okay. So in that regard, he was very helpful too. Oh. And also, I learned a great deal about methodology for marketing. So you, uh, actually, it was hobby to suggest me to to take the marketing methodology class. <laughs> So because, uh, you know, marketing has only methodology and data according to to someone. (laughs) So I I learned a methodology from marketing. So it was really helpful too. So in the regard, I think that, you know, PhD program is really a great place to write a great uh, dissertation piece. So you can work with great scholar and they give you, you know, groundwork with uh, you know for coursework, and then you they will get your feedback to write a better dissertation piece. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably you can. So I, I would advise the PhD students use the, the dissertation to develop much more groundbreaking, much more creative piece, which you know people will remember you associate with with you as a scholar. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, so that you told us a little bit about how your how your research began mm. and who inspired it. Can you right. can you talk right. about how it's evolved? Because in some ways, where you are now is not too distant from from where you were when you started. But in other ways, you sure have traveled, uh, you know, a very interesting path. Mm. Uh, would you mind talking about about
2: that, maybe the theories that you're yeah, in. yeah, yeah. The I think that the, the, the one theory my wife is that I have a karma of going, uh, like, a of going traveling like, a uh, many different places. <laughs> so, my karma is in my previous life, I might be a wonder or something like that, right? right. So, my my name actually, in Chinese character, means go international. <laughs> so, I was born to be international, so that's the my destiny, which I have to admit, but but something is related to my, so I actually, uh, you know, grew up in Korea and do the master's degree in economics in Korea. Mm, So after PhD, I got a, uh, my first job was NYU Stern School, and, uh, but I decided to go back to Korea in, after three years at NYU, because my wife by that time finished her PhD. And music composition is very difficult to get a job in, in, in the teaching position in the U.S. school at the time, maybe still now. So she decided to go, co- come back to, to Korea, so I had to follow her. So we moved to Korea in 95, and I spent almost like 15 years there. <laughs> so, but 20 years in Korea, probably the Korea has become much better environment for research these days. But at that time it was most korean schools are teaching school so i taught four classes a semester so i teach eight courses a year for 14 years uh-huh. so well, when i was young i could do that probably i could still write a piece but the because you know during the regular semester the only that you cannot find the time to research because you are teaching like uh, four courses with street prep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I taught a variety of, I can teach microeconomics, I can teach econometrics, I can teach international business. Mm-hmm. I can teach, you know, strategy, I can teach MA. <laughs> so I taught many different courses. So, so the only way I ca- could do research was to get away from Korea during the summer break and the winter break. So I spend two months in the summer and two months in the winter. That's the break time in Korea. Mm-hmm. So I always find a place, somewhere, some place to to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I come back to Wharton. Sometimes I come back to NYU Stern School. Some bad time I come to place where my courses are. Mm-hmm. So that that's explain why I've been traveling so much or I having a visiting some so, so much so this is the only time i could do research
0: okay so you spent two months in the winter two months in the summer
2: summer right
0: i yeah. was wondering because you've been you've been a visiting prof just about right all the top places right so that's what you do yeah
2: yeah and, and i think the one good thing about korea university my my former institution was that they give uh, like one year sabbatical after six year, but you can use six months after three. <laughs> yeah. So I took a six month segment after three years too to That's to continue cool. to my research. Yeah. And also, you know, the, my location has some impact on the my 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 you know topic for my research. So I'm not. Ashamed to say that I'm a phenomena-driven scholar. <laughs> you know, some people may have some stigma against the phenomena-driven research, but I, I, I'm not ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a theory-driven person, so, so to speak. I'm looking for an interesting phenomena. I want to, you know, you know, research is sometimes very lonely walk, right? So sometimes, you know, when I write a paper, I can, you know, I was wondering how many people will read my piece. I will toil my three years to publish a paper, you know, let's say a journal or top journal, right? How many people will read this? Maybe 300. If I'm lucky, (laughs) 1000. So, you know, unless it is rewarding you, it is not worth it. So the paper has to be interesting enough for me to motivate and, and investigate and research. So uh, maybe the Walton is more like a more like a pragmatic uh, tradition. It's more pre- and phenomena driven, and also corpus strategy area is also phenomena driven too. So. My PhD dissertation, my, my only work is purely U.S. data, diversification, restructuring, and FDI, sequential FDI, <laughs> a joint ventures, uh, that kind of stuff. But when I moved to Korea, so, so I had to find a topic which I could do in the Korean context. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the Korean business group uh, and and couple of, published a couple of pieces there around the topic. Mm-hmm. Because I uh, so my approach is that business group is a, a form of diversified corporation, which can show some features uh, that the consolidate conglomerate or diversified form m- maybe in the U.S. And, and Europe cannot show, because it's diversified, but is each business is sep- is a separate. Entity, legal entity, some are uh, listed company with a separate financial statement, and some of the internal transactions within a group are recorded in the footnote item so I can collect such data. So I could trace some intra group resource sharing. <laughs> so, how much money is flowing from here to there? And uh, you know whether if group level, uh, like a technology investment and advertising, can have an impact on the individual affiliate performance, and to what extent the executive are rotate within a group. So this is interdivisional executive transfer. Okay. So I use that opportunity. So I, you know, I end up in Korea, <laughs> you know, teaching school where the research was not valued. But I, I I try my best to find something which I can do in, in that environment. So there was that that's the reason why I invested several years in my research doing the, the business group related study. And then around like two thousand four two thousand five, the China become interesting. <laughs> the China become uh, you know the focus of everybody and become a stellar of emerging market companies. So I studied couple, for several years on the Chinese data, with the Chinese data, looking at some research on the Chinese context.
0: And I understand you're, you're learning a little Chinese, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I studied Chinese for, uh, for about a year. Right.
0: And uh, I, I reached out to a couple of your colleagues uh, in preparation for this. And one of them was Brian Wu.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. right. Um, and he's a co-author. Of your, and you guys did that paper on institutions and, and, right. 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 and China yeah. and, and entry. Right. And, so and he elaborated a bit about, um, about your intellectual curiosity. And, uh, hmm. for example, you know Japanese, you're learning Chinese. You, you did a lot of field work in that data. You no, interviewed sure. lots right. and lots of managers. And that's mm-hmm. that's consistent with what you just described about uh, how it's got to interest, it's got to interest you and your phenomena driven and, and so forth. So
2: right, right,. right. So actually for fun, <laughs> for fun, for, for myself, very selfish motivation. I am, mm-hmm. I'm doing what interests me. <laughs> so my wife actually, my mother complains about about me. you know, if, if you have a son <laughs> as a doctor, and every family member will benefit. If you have a lawyer as your son, your son is a lawyer, then your relatives, the entire branch of family, will get benefit. When you become a professor, you just benefit yourself. <laughs> 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 That's why my my mother complains about me. Oh. So I, I I like my job as a professor. It's a really a nice job. <laughs> mm-hmm. May not be a you know very helpful son in in that regard.
0: Okay. And and I didn't mean to interrupt you because uh, your path, uh, I think you just made it part part way down that path. So there's several gaps to fill in. One is this focus on China. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you've done some work on on uh, corporate effects, um,
2: right? right.
0: variance decomposition that would be interesting to hear about. And recently, you're getting into some non-market strategy, which is a hot topic as well, right? Well,
2: um, oh, I, I I don't claim that much. I only have one paper with my former yeah, yeah. students. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm more like a pro market strategy person.
0: <laughs> but could you could you talk a little bit about um, uh, so, for example, variance decomposition? What what inspired that? There, of course, there's a whole realm of papers there.
2: Right, 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 right. Actually, there was a. There is a chapter in my dissertation. There, actually, Ned Bowman, <laughs> who was the dissertation committee chair, he pushed me to write another chapter on variance decomposition. So, so uh, do you know that the, the Ned Bowman and the uh, Coney Help have a paper on variance decomposition? Yeah. yeah. So that's about the size of corporate fat. <laughs> so I, I happen to have a data on the market share of individual firm, <laughs> so I use what they call a China database for my dissertation, <laughs> and uh, that use that give your sales and employee data at the four digit SIC level, mm. so I could replicate the various decomposition technique as the market share as a dependent variable, <laughs> so when people Using the profitability as a as a dependent variable, and decompose it, and uh, I use the market share as a dependent variable because it's become it's available. <laughs> so I have a market share data. I can calculate it in multiple level of aggregation. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus and negative in terms of, you know, the the value as, you know, as a dependent variable. So because it's not a profitability, so some people may say, why are you looking at market share? Why why not profitability? That can be a critique. But one benefit of market share is that I can aggregate from the two-digit level to three-digit level to the four-digit level, so I can test the whether the variance decomposition is sensitive to how you define the market, And also I can look at whether corporate effect can be stronger in the smaller form or medium-sized form and to the large size form. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so I had the SMJ people in 2000, 2001, around at the time, mm-hmm. they looking at the decomposing the market share as a dependent variable. Mm-hmm. And then I also applied the technique to the Korean business group. Mm-hmm. So my argument is that, so actually what I learned from the various decomposition exercise is that it's very sensitive to the sample. If you decompose the variance in the context of the large corporation as the FTC dataset, then you will get a small corporate effect. Mm. But if you do the same in the context of business group in Korea, I expect to have a larger corporate effect because market is not so efficient. Mm. So that's the claim. Mm. Mm
0: interesting okay i I wanna um make sure we get to the your your entry into books can you talk a little bit about books so what what's inspired you to write these books i guess i've Uh, given a glimpse into that a little bit because you're so phenomenal driven but really um been successful more successful than most people right right
2: actually i i was very successful in one, one particular book so i wrote a book, Sony versus Samsung. It was published by the Wiley in 2008. I think it sold more than 50,000 copies. Nice. So it was translated to Japanese, Korean, and Chinese, Thai, Russian. Great. So it was, uh, it was successful. But it was a fun book. It was a really a fun project. <laughs> and uh, you know, I didn't expect any academic credit for the for that kind of book. It's more like a case book, uh, but it came along as an opportunity to learn. So I happened in around two thousand five, the the Sony's market cap will become a one half of the what is a Samsung. So you used ten years ago, it was like four to one ratio. Now it become one to two. So. Uh, So I suddenly become interested in what make a Sony, you know, who was a star in the consumer electric uh, sector become uh, a disgrace and uh, why, how, how come the Samsung who was nobody in the consumer electric become like a darling in the industry. So I happen to know Mr. Ando who was the former president of Sony Corporation. I met him. Uh, In 1990, about 10 years ago, when I was still at NYU, I I had an interview with him about Sony's uh, strategy in the United States. I still kept his, uh, you know, the 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 name card. (laughs) So I emailed him after 10 years, he replied back to me. So he agreed to meet, meet with me in Japan. So I went there and then, I had a two hours interview with him just for fun, catching up with him and uh, uh, hearing about his story. I become interested about his story. And so uh, he introduced a couple of pe- more people to talk. <laughs> so with this introduction, I met four other people. <laughs> and after four people, they introduced come out of some other people to to talk too. So it snowballed. I I visit almost like a, probably 10 times or 12 times to Japan to conduct the interview from all the way up to Mr. Ide, who was the CEO of Sony. So I also have a connection in Samsung because I'm Korean, I have many friends working for Samsung. So I also have an interview all the way to the CEO. So it took me almost a year and a half, almost two years to conduct the interview and writing a book. (laughs) So it was a fun book. So main story of the book, so my original intake was that Sony and Samsung took a very different approach. You know the Samsung is more like focusing on the low materials. and raw material is more like a you know a upstream a semiconductor and key component. And the Sony tried to create a wow product focusing on the downstream with the consumer more uh, innovative product. So my original take was which approach was better in the digital revolution? That was my initial thesis. So when I continue on the interview, I I learned that uh, actually the strategy didn't matter. (laughs) What mattered was an execution and the leadership and organization. So Sony's strategy could have worked with a different CEO, with different organization. And probably Samsung was more successful because it focused on the commodity product like a DRAM is quite matched with its very bureaucratic structure, military structure, and the top-down uh, corporate culture. So it was more like a culture, organization, leadership, and strategy w- was more aligned. There was a success behind the Samsung, but in case of Sony, it initially had very charismatic leader at the founder generation. But when it progressed to the professional management, there was a mismatch. The Mr. Ide was like a pro- first professional manager. Mm. And the succession was not very smooth.
0: Professional as opposed to family managing?
2: Uh, it's uh, the founder. So the founder, Mr. Uh, Ibuka and Mr. Morita was a two founder of the Sony Corporation. The source CEO was Mr. Oga. He wasn't a founder, but he was from the founder generation. So he behaved like a founder. <laughs> And he was a professional opera singer, and uh, he was, has a really loud voice, so when he says shut up, then so loud everybody has to shut up. <laughs> but Mr. Ide was, he was the first CEO who become a CEO, for the, but, but he joined as the bottom of organization, he grew up in the organization, so he didn't have a clout as, as a founder generation. But Sony was very liberal company and very decentralized structure, so weak CEO didn't work well with this liberal organization decentralized structure. Mm-hmm. So even though Mr. Ide has a good idea, he his strategy was was not very much well implemented.
0: So, so how, was the, how did yeah. that make you feel that? Uh... Essentially, my interpretation is that process trumps <laughs> trumps content uh, every time. Is that is that true?
2: Sorry, process content. Oh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, at the end, I think that it has to come from both sides, oh. right? So you have to have a good strategy to begin with. If if a strategy is no is not a good idea, mm-hmm. you know, it will not be. You don't have a good result, but also it has to match with uh, your leadership style organization and uh, the corporate culture. <laughs> so this is what we usually teach in the core strategy class. I don't know how you guys are teaching the, the, the core strategy module, but I em- emphasize the role of the, so, the, the more like a fit with your strategy content. And uh, the organization, you you can implement the strategy. So it has to be both, not either one. Mm. Right,
0: right. Yeah, and you have at least three other books in English. Uh, right,
2: right, right. The, the, there was the three books in about the the Chebos and business group. <laughs> right. yeah. So I think that the the book that those kind of books came along after publishing several papers on the same topic. <laughs> Uh-huh. So you have a more material which you cannot put in in the paper form. Uh-huh. So I thought that it was a good idea to put them together and publish in a book. Uh-huh. So some of the, the book chapters come from the, the published paper, but I also have other stuff not able to put it in the paper form. Uh-huh. So book is more like a like a closure of my research project or specific research project. Mm.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay, And I'm curious, after the success with the Sony-Samsung book, th- were the publishers pretty easy to get on board with your subsequent projects?
2: Yes, uh, yes, but I, unfortunately I do not have the second opportunity <laughs> like that, yeah. like in Sony versus Samsung case. <laughs> so my next book was the a multinational company in China. It was more like academic book. (laughs) So it was published in Oxford Press. So I'm looking for my another book, but I I want to have some opportunity to come along with that, which can open the door for the the company.
0: Yeah, and you don't have anything you're working on right now. No books that you're working
2: on. Yeah, no book. Yeah, I, I wish I could write a sequel to Sony versus Samsung. Like, uh, <laughs> Samsung versus Apple. Yeah. And uh, maybe Tesla can be an interesting book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, Apple and Tesla are very secret companies. So I don't have opportunity yet.
0: Okay. Well, but let, but me, someday,
2: yeah, someday.
0: let me ask a, a couple of things. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to touch base on, we have this little the STR division has this little... um set of videos, short videos that we call nuggets, you know, mm. nuggets of advice to, to mostly to young scholars and so forth. Do you have any um, any advice that you would pass on? I know you work with some doctoral students. and uh, your experience, is there, you know, is there anything that stands out as being particularly important um, to consider as a young scholar? And And you mentioned something already. Maybe that was...
2: Right, right right, right, right. So I think that to pursue an interesting topic or phenomena is <laughs> a very good starting point to write an interesting dissertation, which interests you first <laughs> before make other people interested, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And um, in order to do that, you really have to have a broad interest. So I really enjoy reading The Economist magazine (laughs) because uh, I always learn something by reading The Economist magazine, Mm -hmm. especially not just the business section, but the science and technology section, I learn a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I also read the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times and Harvard Business Review. (laughs) So even though they are not scholarly uh, journal, I, I want to you know keep update of what's going on in the real world and hopefully find some interesting topic which I can pursue for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and also the teaching can be an opportunity for research too. So I, I give you how I got an idea for my dissertation topic by being a TA. Yeah. So you know, sitting in the MBA class and how the students talk about the case you can get some some ideas which you can apply in, in your research. Right.
0: Um, uh, so corporate strategy more broadly, are there are there any any topics that you're particularly passionate about right now in your research? And um mm. uh, even more broadly, perhaps you have some thoughts on some mm. some things that corporate strategists should be working on. Um,
2: Right, right. Mm. So actually, the probably the, the team you, you and I have some common interests. I'm very much into resource redeployment, redeployment <laughs> topic these days, <laughs> because you know the corporate strategy have done generate many research papers to date, <laughs> but somehow the I think there's a lot of data constraint, so everybody. Hate R and D intensity and advertising intensity, but still we use it, right? Yeah. So I still use it, so I don't blame other. <laughs> because sometimes, you know, from the accounting data is maybe the only data you can easily use. So, but those kind of data doesn't push the field very far. <laughs> so I think in the future research, I think we should try to measure. Resources more directly, so you, the, the, I, I know the team has a paper on uh, measuring the resource directly by by looking at the retail chain store, right? The retail store, physical store, and uh, how they are redeployed among their sibling chains, right? So that's very you know good empirical strategy because you know the those kind of physical store is easily observable. And you you know the location, and you know you know what kind of store format it was used before, and how it was transformed to the another brand. So, you know that's 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 a good and good strategy. But but sometimes I think that I think we should try to you know capture the leases more directly. But it's uh, it's a hard even though, though I suggest that that direction. So no company will give you data on their resources freely, right? That so they are not going to reveal how many machines, how many employees, uh, you know, what kind of skill they have. They don't give it out, uh, give it out to you. So it requires a lot of data collecting effort. <laughs> but I think that uh, more and more, we I think we should try harder to to get closer to the resources. Because we still dwell on the resource-based theory, but we still, we do not measure resources.
0: Yeah, we we talk very abstractly about Not only do we not measure resources, Mm. but we also, you know, there's a bundling process that takes place that uh, that may influence, for example, whether they're scalable or non-scalable.
2: Right, right. There's a lot of characteristics of resources.
0: Well, just so everybody listening, we did not, but we did not plan to. <laughs> <laughs> I did not plant that question, so I'm glad you find that research stream interesting. And I agree, there's plenty more to to do. And
2: right, right, right.
0: Um, well, you know, we're nearly uh, to the Q and A point. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Do you mind if I read this uh, uh, this note from Brian Wu, and maybe you wanna. Mm. Maybe you want to respond to it. So I just asked Brian, I said, you know, I I know Sijin a little bit, but uh, can you give me any little nuggets? And he says, well, Sijin's great. He says, other than his well-known scholarly achievements, I'm particularly impressed by his curiosity across different cultures. I remember we did many field interviews together in China for our paper on institutional barriers and industry dynamics. He was earnest in learning Chinese and many institutional and cultural details. By the way, he also speaks Japanese and did lots of high quality research on that important topic. I think he exemplifies scholarship on corporate strategy and international business. <laughs> and Harbir Singh had some wonderful things to say too. So um, uh, you've got some fans out there, Sijin, and I'm sure the I'm sure the the many participants today are, are some of those fans. But let's open it up um, to some questions here. Um, let's see. Uh, feel free to to, to ask any. Uh, so one one question is uh, this is Abi Abi mulik uh, Could you Abi? Could you um, ask your question? Sure.
1: uh Hi, Professor Chang. This is Abi Mulek. Right. Uh, right. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your research vision. Uh, I think it's such a testament to seeing both curiosity and uh, an interest in pragmatism to be manifested in your work, which I think is great. I was curious about what we can call your brief foray uh, into non-market strategy and what got you interested in that. And particularly the paper, which I think uh, that the 2018 SMJ contingent effects mm. and political strategies because I think it was right. so cool to see kind of moving beyond companies and thinking about non-market actors competition affecting firms in mm. return. So if you could mm. speak to that a little bit, that'd be great.
2: Right well, actually it was uh, I cannot claim that much because it was my dissert my student's dissertation piece. <laughs> but uh, he 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 initially submitted a single piece, but but he had some difficulty in doing the review process, <laughs> so he helped me. He asked me to join afterwards. So, so in a sense, I I, I was I was very reluctant to join the authorship there. We suppose, so my so my my take is that students have to publish single author piece for his dissertation. Maybe a second paper I can co-author with them, but but the. They have to keep their main piece a single piece if they can. <laughs> so basically, the the you know uh, you know Jack you know Jackie he was my he was a student and uh, he he's now at the Hong Kong University. So he look at so he so, so that's probably similar uh, like a way we we discuss this based theory. They look at political uh, non market strategy but oftentimes you know people looking at the spending like uh, lobbying hiring lobbies how much you spend on the lobbying in the u.s context right so I think that the Jackie looking at much more detail at the individual decision maker so if there's a you know provincial level the leaders and their background and executive background and uh, they also have some other controlling actor. So if you know each provincial actor, they want to promote their business within their province. <laughs> so they may say against of acquisition features acquiring from a company from the another uh, province, but they can be a more like a superseding actor at the central government level, who can intervene and uh, be on your favor. So you can think about multiple actors, but from the CEO to the and the, the and the and the top management team of the company, and the provincial leaders and also the central committee leaders. So they, so he was able to manage the the career history of all the decision maker, and then uh, determine you know whether the. Proposal to acquire a company from another province <laughs> was successful or not in that particular piece. Mm-hmm. So, in that regard, I think the good one good thing about that paper is that uh, looking at the decision makers and their background and the uh, relationship among those decision makers at multiple level. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's only one piece, and uh, I don't claim that much on the paper. <laughs>
1: So that was more uh mm. more pragmatism than curiosity, I guess. Yeah, but thank yeah, you for yeah, that
2: right. story. To, to getting through the review processing and have this paper to publish.
1: <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah,
2: thank you.
0: Uh, and uh our host uh, Zhao has a question or two there. Um uh,
3: thanks, CJ and Tim, for this amazing interview. Um I have two questions, CJ. One is as AIB fellow, what do you see are some of the important questions in IM that hasn't been answered yet? And where would you encourage people to go towards? Uh, the second question is related to uh, being a scholar based out of Asia. Uh, what are some of the challenges slash benefits uh, mm. as well as how have you, uh, you know, in your experience? Uh, if ha- Has that changed over time?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, good question. So, the uh, IM, uh, international business is another phenomena driven <laughs> area. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, there is a, some kind of like, a, you know, some tension between like discipline oriented research versus phenomena driven research. So, Somehow I'm on the other side, more the driven research. So it has a pros and cons. <laughs> the pros side is that you are doing some interesting stuff, <laughs> but but the, the con cons side is that you will be challenged from the discipline-based people asking what are your theory, what is your theoretical contribution. So IB, uh, international business or international management has a similar challenge as corporate strategy in that regard. So but. The international business, I think that the the same as corporate strategy is that interesting phenomena is happening every single day, right? So there's Donald Trump impact. Unfortunately um, for research, maybe unfortunate for some country, but uh, so you have some strange strange effect which is some exo- which you can consider exogenous, and uh, a lot of things change since uh, before Donald Trump and after Donald Trump, and uh, at, and also from the COVID, right? Yeah. And uh, there's a you know there's a trade-off between efficiencies versus robustness, or reliability issue, right? And uh, whether the competition become more regionalized, that's become an important issue. And uh, whether these like uh, internet technology or Zoom internet conference, online conference can substitute Will centralize the management or decentralize the management? There's a lot of interesting questions, thanks to the technology or political change. And also, the US China, you know, the conflict is another dimension which will interest many IB scholars. So, so, if you're looking for an interesting topic to study, so you're in a good place. You're either an IM or corporate strategy. Welcome to the real <laughs> <laughs> world, right? And uh, I'm sorry, what is your second question? I am getting- Yeah,
3: so the second question is about the challenges and benefits of Oh yeah, for being, in Asia,
2: uh, for being right. in Asia, right.
3: Yeah.
2: So, I, so even though I, I, I base in Asia, I don't think I'm not necessarily doing research only for the Asia. So I think that Asian scholar, you know, so we are all in the publishing business. So we all publish in a top tier journal. But if you want to make a statement which is very much relevant to the region, it's not going to end up in a you know, you know, top journal or a journal you want to place, right? So even though you are using Asian context or Asian data, you have to address the core research problem in the field. <laughs> Right. So it has to be that Asian context may be a convenient place to address the research question. So I think that the challenge, I think also the opportunity of Asian scholar is the how to find a, a data or phenomenon from Asia, but, but but can making a core strategy question. So that'll be the challenges. So you know some some people may wonder you know if you use a Chinese data or Korean data how can you publish the stuff how you can you convince the the reviewer so actually reviewer you know doesn't challenge me you know, whether I'm using the Chinese data or, or Korean data but I have to I have to to ensure that. You know, there is some you no know, systematic error in the data. There is no bias. So I, I look at the data very carefully. And uh, so I have to convince the leader this is the reliable data, and then give you some interesting look at some important strategy question, which has not been addressed yet.
0: Great. I, I have a follow on question to that. Uh, journal's question relating to the dynamic capabilities you could argue that your work on evolutionary uh, entry right. or sequential entry is a dynamic capabilities and one of the first one of the first empirical papers using that uh, particular theoretical approach have you followed that literature and you know what's your view on on uh, dynamic capabilities and and uh, and how it's progressing as a theory. Mm,
2: mm. So I think the dynamic capability is interesting theory, interesting idea. Mm. But I don't know yet how I don't know how we can measure them <laughs> and uh, how we can avoid from the tautology. So it's supposed to affect the performance, right? So how can you separate from performance from the dynamic capability? Mm and uh, without measuring them directly, it'll be very difficult to convince the leader that he was the dynamic capability which made the performance to be high, higher. I think that that's the, the, the challenge we have to address as a scholar. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting concept, an important concept. I think it has to be further explored. <laughs> okay.
0: okay, interesting. And um, is it Nare, Nare Lee? I am mind
3: asking your question. Hi, uh, my name is Nare, and mm, yes. you, you may have touched this question when you're answering to Jao's first question about mm. phenomena that could be interesting to the IB scholars, and I'm you're wondering whether um, there is any phenomenon that interests you particularly, what's happening lately, uh, whether it's Asia-specific or not.
2: Well, I, there are so many interesting phenomena. <laughs> so, like uh, you know, the U.S. trade, U.S.-China trade conflict, <laughs> and the supply chain is global. Supply chain is changing, right? So now, the optimal, like uh, you know, disbursement or location or location of least the resources over the world, the the supply chain has to be modified, right? So it'll be interesting to see how firms may act differently according to their strategy. So that's maybe an interesting question. And I also see, you know, know, every single day there's an interesting phenomenon, like, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, TSMC is doing very well. And even the Intel is doing is trying to do a uh, foundry business on the side. <laughs> so if you are interested in the semiconductor industry, maybe you can see how the, the firm's strategy. So that's uh, the integrated device manufacturer with like uh, Intel or Samsung. And there was a specialized on, company on the design side, which is called the Fabulous Company and the foundry who was doing all the manufacturing right so this already happening in in semiconductor industry but do you see any such division of labor in other industry okay so just focusing on the designing some only one segment in the entire value chain and some other specialized company taking over the other part of value chain so that that's really an interesting mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. right and also performance implication about that.
0: Well. Question for you. In looking at your CV, I see you've written quite a few cases. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that um, and how it's affected your teaching?
2: Well, it was why I was in Korea, so I was teaching so many different class. <laughs> so I end up producing a lot of cases for my own teaching. So most of cases is a Korean case. Uh, only one or two was, trans, was doing in, in English, right? So I think the writing case is helpful because you know the company well enough. <laughs> and then you, you know your teaching plan in your, in your mind when you're writing a cases. So that, that make you very good in class. <laughs> but it leads a lot of investment. It's not a lot of investment, but maybe if you can write one case a year, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's not that much painful. So if some company is interesting, then why not writing a case for your own teaching purpose? Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Interesting
2: so the, you know i I think that there's a lot of library case. you don't have to do a field research to write a teaching case
0: oh is that right so you you don't go out in the field when you do but that. sometimes
2: yeah i I go on a field but but okay. but the but it's not required that that's what I'm trying to say, but if you okay. can access the company have a more interview to 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 augment your like a field like a library research yeah. yeah. That would be much
0: better. Mm. Interesting. Good for you. Um, let's see, Miros, uh, has a question. Miros, would you join us? Hi.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, thank you very thank, much for this session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just had a quick question. As I understood,
0: hmm. uh,
1: this visiting positions were very instrumental to, right, uh, right. your research out, but I was wondering if you could share what were you like a little bit about, the uh, uh, ways that you were arranging them, what were you looking in that environment? How are you making sure that your time is well spent because just moving mm. is quite disruptive to the researcher uh, right, right. uh, right, so I was right. wondering how how were you how you were managing that
2: right but but in my case, I was uh, like uh, escaping from Korea <laughs> the teaching <laughs> in <environment> over <about> there. <laughs> So probably the benefit exceeding the the moving costs and other disruption you may associate with uh, the moving, right? But uh, I think that also the giving, like placing yourself in a new environment will will inspire in many ways because each school is different and you you are getting to know the colleagues over there. And uh, because you, you get to know People And once you get to know people, it's much easier to follow them up with email or like a Zoom and other. So I think it's really good. If, if, if you're willing to willing to take up the, all the pains of moving, then it's, it's, can, it's maybe very worthwhile effort. So I suggest you move to use the sabbatical as much as you can to find a place to relocate yourself. And uh, in the giving you more inspiring environment, and intellectual shock. <laughs> but the but with COVID, I now begin to think somewhat differently, right? So I I begin to rethink about the concept of colleague, right? So you I used to have a concept of colleague, the colleague or somebody whose office are next door, right? Which can you know, whom I can always talk to, I can knock on the door, having a lunch, having a chat, you know, asking about this question, the reviewer's comment, something like that. Right. So I think this COVID was interesting experiment on our side, involuntarily, I must admit. But right? yeah. so you, you don't have a colleague next door, you, you're locked in your, your home, right? Doing your research. And uh, you know, colleague, I, I define now is somebody who can talk to over the internet. It doesn't have to be someone in the next door. Doesn't have to be in the same school. So colleague is somebody you can have an intellectual discussion with. So if you know, if you get to know someone by attending a conference, maybe meeting some person for other some. Uh, occasion, then it's very easy to follow them up and to uh, talk them on 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 the Zoom. So, so, Maru, so did, did you get yeah. what you wanted
1: out
0: of
1: that? Um, no, I mean it's very very um, good. So, um, uh, just like I mean a little bit more about. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what are the aspects that you consider in the conversations? I don't want to just like take too much time but like mm-hmm. um, you know anything that has been instrumental to your process of like meeting other people in the well, I'm, I'm, I'm not
2: that you know sociable I mean the, I'm not the outgoing person so <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know whether I'm a fun person to work with I'm not sure but but the but I think that the uh, you know so those people who grade out at the same time, meeting at the conference or consortium, so you can build up relationship with them and then continue working with them formally or informally. So once you get to know them, it's easier for you to ask comment on your paper. Yeah. So I mean, remember uh, that the colleague doesn't have to be your next door. <laughs>
0: That's good advice, yeah. That's one thing that I take away too, is it's just so easy to reach out virtually like this. And uh, you know, Morose, people in this field are surprising. and I suppose most academics are surprisingly accessible, you know, if you just uh, reach out, uh, they generally respond. Um, and I'm sure C. Jin found that. I was kind of curious uh, how you manage the process of going to all these places, so so let's say uh, you're thinking about summer of 2022, mm. and you want to go somewhere two months. Uh, mm. So you send somebody an email, and uh, somebody you yeah. know at that institution, and say,
2: "Hey, right, 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 right." I, well, you, yeah. So if, I, I think that if you don't ask money, then the usual. If you you can be modest, saying that I I want to spend two months there, and then. I don't need much. If you can have a shared office space, they'll be good. Um, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the usually I think the schools has become more difficult these days in, in getting a visa in the U.S. For sometime even for two months, they may say you you have to apply for a formal visiting position yeah. <laughs> and ask for a visa. Right? But in old days, it was not like that.
0: OK, I have a few more questions. I'm supposed to ask these, I guess. Mm. Uh, Let's see. How do you see impact of open source journals on promoting quality of original Mm. strategy research? Open source source journals. Do you think that involving direct money into publication process may reduce quality indirectly?
2: I'm actually dumbstruck, i don't know what i don't know what is the i never experienced this and uh, so open source journal yeah i I'm, I'm sorry i i don't know
0: okay you pass you pass I, on that one okay sorry yeah, about
2: that. So, so so maybe I, I i have to so can you explain what is open source journal and what what example
0: yeah i think it's just a journal that's not, not uh-huh. That's not published uh, in print, but it's, it's right, free right. to the public and um, uh, anybody can, if mm. you submit something, it doesn't mean your work's going to be accepted, but uh, mm. uh, if you submit um, uh, it, uh, I don't know, I it's see. just not print, right? right Somebody else I'm help sorry. me here. What is an open source journal? Is that right? Here's another question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, can you share your time management strategy? Mm. Uh, what's your typical workday? So, how, in other, they're asking, how can you be so productive, Sejun? What, what's your? How do you manage your time?
2: Well, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure whether I'm I'm very good in time management. But one thing that I'm doing is I, I wake up early in the morning. <laughs> I usually get up at like a six and then walk until twelve without with I'm trying not to be interrupted until twelve. <laughs> so my all my teaching and office hours and meetings are in the afternoon. <laughs> so but I sleep early and wake up very early in the morning and try to have like a quality time from six to twelve, maybe seven to twelve. So I think that having us some um, like block of time is is good for productivity, rather than you know one hour, one hour here and one hour there, because you need to warm up yourself, right, to get into to the the thinking. So in terms of time management, block your time and. Uh, either early morning or late at night whether you're night person or morning person whichever works for you so
0: what if you're working at an institution and somebody uh, wants to schedule a meeting in the morning mm-hmm. let's say you're on a committee do you uh-huh. do you just block out your schedule or what what do you do
2: well then i have to compromise right uh-huh. <laughs> So it's okay, having uh, some gray hair is all the band grow older, become easier <laughs> to avoid the morning, you uh-huh. But when I was younger and with the black hair, I didn't have much choice. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. okay, great. Um, let's see, Zhao, do you want to take the picture? Is that a good time?
3: Yes, perfect.
0: Oh, thank you. So it's a picture taking. Yeah. So generally we smile mm. and we want to post this on our social media. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay.
3: everyone, if you're comfortable, switching on your camera for a second. Awesome. Okay, one, two, three. Say cheese. Cheese. Got it. Thank you. Back thank to your temp-
0: you, Tim. You bet. Um, now, you've been, um, are you still affiliated with, with KAIST or?
2: Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, that's right. How Actually, does that
0: work? You've got these two affiliations. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 this is a. Uh, uh, I. I spent six months in Singapore and six months in Korea in KAIST. Okay. So I moved I mean, from, Wait a minute, yeah, I,
0: thought, I thought you spent two months at another institution. How, how does so that, that work?
2: Yeah, that, 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 yeah. It was when I was at Korea University until 2008. So I moved to Singapore in 2009. And I I was there for four years straight uh, without any joint appointment. But my wife still has a job in Korea. (laughs) So I went to Singapore with my second daughter and uh, uh, being like a single father for four years. (laughs) I found it very hard as she grow older when she was young and she listened to me when she become a teenager she plugged her ears with uh you know the you know earphone and then and then shut the doors I was so scared so I had to ship her to the mother's side so after that I had to spend like a year like a you know uh, I decided to uh, spent six months in Singapore and six months in, in Korea. So that's the that's current arrangement. So I have a, a position in two place and the office in two place. From February to July, I'm based in Korea. From August to January, I'm based in Singapore.
0: OK, I'm sorry. So I didn't uh, honor the KAIST the way I should have in my original presentation. Uh. <laughs> So know everybody that he works at kind of, um, uh OK, let's see. I have another question. I want to, oh, the qualities of co-authors. You work with a lot of co-authors. You have a lot of single-author papers as well. But what do you look for? Uh, uh, what do you admire most about uh, the qualities of your co-authors?
2: Well, there's some obvious complementary skill. So, so without complementary skill, it's better to be a single also, <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: because it's, it requires a coordination. cost. This all the theory we, we talk about in farm, actually walk in the, the joint association. If you can pull everything along by yourself, do it single also. But if you can't, you need a partner, right? Uh-huh. To work, 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 with. So. I think the same advice when we, uh, we advise, we advising the joint venture applies to the co-authorship. <laughs> so your capability, like 3C in successful joint venture alliances, capability, commitment, and, uh, capability, commitment. Or I'm not sure what is the third c yeah um, what's,
0: what's the third c i don't know yeah. um. uh, also oh, I
2: oh no no it's compatibility
0: compatibility
2: okay. capability and commitment
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so three is called three c in the successful alliances
0: mm-hmm.
2: so in the french context it's a coffee coffee champagne cognac <laughs> <laughs>
0: I see in the chat uh, I think al is the name uh, hmm. wants really wants us to address the question of open source I think al um, cjin was suggesting and cjin correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. he doesn't know he doesn't have an opinion on this topic I think that's what it was so sorry, we don't mean to sidestep your question, but we're just not we're just not uh, uh informed on it let's see is that right cjin i don't I don't mean to speak we
2: yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then um, Judy, could you ask me a question, please?
3: Hi, so I'm also interested in like phenomenon driven studies, mm-hmm. but like as a PhD student, <clears throat> I feel that there are like several challenges to publish this phenomenon driven study. So mm. what challenges do you face when you try to publish that in an uh, a journal, and how do you overcome that?
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's the, you know, I also get frustrated, you know, when people asking a theoretical contribution out of the empirical paper, right? So, uh, you know, if you do a, you know, penile study, you are doing an empirical piece. But do you think it's too much to ask a theoretical contribution? (laughs) So some journals do, so I, you know, sometimes I'm not very successful in that kind of journal, but some journals are more open to just empirical contribution. SMJ is very much open to the empirical contribution, so you don't have to send it to some other journal which emphasizes theoretical contribution. So I think it's very unfair uh, in my view, because you know, you sometimes you see uh, a paper, which is a lot of, you know, big front end, but the empirical model is very basic and and, and somewhat not complete, right? So I, 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 my take is that you try to be good in empirical piece. So all, do all kinds of, you know, the, the low test tests and alternatives, way of the explanation. So usually the reviewers push you for that direction. So I think that if you have a good paper with a very strong empirical contribution, it should be publishable in a top-tier journal.
0: And you may want to um, hmm. think implicit in what you were saying is it's um, It's important to choose which journal, right? Like SMJ is very, very tolerant of this. Mm. Whereas AMJ is not, is mine.
2: Right, right, right.
0: So um, choose wisely, I guess, is is one of the takeaways. Mm. Uh, Hey, a personal question here. Mm. Um, uh, How have you managed the the COVID crisis?
2: Oh... I, I think that I'm just good or just bad as all yours. <laughs> so watching a lot of, you know, Netflix movie <laughs> and, uh, you know, create a home, uh, home gene. <laughs> so I, I, I learn a great deal about Netflix movie. So I realized that in each country, there's some interesting, at least one or two interesting drama series from each country. So I think I enjoy watching the, Borgen from it was uh, is from Norway right, and uh, there was some drama from Turkey and some you know the money highs of obviously from Spanish drama. <laughs> so I so I think that Netflix has a great contribution to to globalize and and also to appreciate the culture of another country. <laughs> so that's the probably the lessons I I learned from the COVID. Mm -hmm. But I also have a home training, like a gym. I have a running machine and, uh, you know, the elliptical machine at home and some, uh, so I do, I try to not to lose too much muscle and have some physical exercise, and once you stay at home, but I think that you you feeling you will realize the same. There are so many things you can do about your home. Right? You you that try to fair. fix. Yeah. You, you initially change the bulb and you change the LED light and you paint <laughs> your wall <jewel. laughs> and you fix things. Hmm? <laughs> I I. Uh, I, I have it. Tim. You're, you're you're laughing. Oh, it's so, so funny! To find your activity for the last year, right?
0: Another thing too is uh, <laughs> I can't imagine the you can't imagine the joy I get of seeing an Amazon package arrive at my front desk my front the front. <laughs> it's it can be addicting uh, ordering online and so forth. You know, you're <laughs> right? Waiting for what comes next. Um, okay, so uh, I think it's. Um, I think it's time to ask some of our silly questions. Um, and I um, I have several here. Uh, you mentioned you're working out. What else do you do to relax, uh, rewind, or recharge? Sorry? Okay. What, what do you do to relax and, and uh, um, unwind okay. and, and recharge?
2: Right, 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 right. You know, to, to watching Netflix drama before you go to bed yeah. for one hour. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing. And I play golf. Play golf? Yeah, I play golf. Yeah. I'm not a good golfer. I'm not a good golfer. I'm losing many balls. Uh-huh. But it's something which doesn't, you know... Uh, <laughs> but uh, going out for to a field and having a sunshine and walking yeah. is a really good exercise. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah. make you more optimistic with the sunlight.
0: We should at the next uh, the next conference we should play golf together. That would be fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, but yeah. I'm I, I'm a lousy golfer. I'm losing many balls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too. So we would fit together. So, if you could have dinner and conversation with one deceased person in history, from the historical past, who would Uh, that person be?
2: Historical past? Uh, You mean the more recent or...?
0: No, anyone in history. Well... They have to be deceased. Has
2: to be deceased, right? Well... I'm not sure. I, well, that's a good question. That's a surprise question. I never thought about that.
0: Okay. Well, you can you can pass on that if you think of something else. <laughs> um, if you um, if you could have one superpower, mm. uh, like invisibility, flight, or reading minds, or whatever. Yeah, might, yeah, 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 yeah. What would it be? What would you choose?
2: Well, I I, I want to be like a like a space. Uh, what is called, uh, like a spa- moving space in, in an instance? Uh, what is that?
0: A time traveler?
2: Yeah, t- it's not time traveler. It's more like a space uh, traveler. Okay. So you, you can jump from space, one space to another space. Ah, okay. But so there will be cutting your travel time and right. then you can that, travel around.
0: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, you have a lot of travel.
2: Uh, right, right, right. Cool. Hope and, I can. Uh, when
0: you're not reading strategy work, or mm-hmm. the economist,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, what do you read? Fiction I also, or non fiction or
2: whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I I, I enjoy uh, reading some novels and Korean novels and the, the Western novel, <laughs> mm, and also I enjoy listening to the classical music. I'm a big fan of opera. <laughs> oh. yeah. Nice. So I, I turn on the, the opera singer's uh, disc <laughs> and relax about one hour about that. <laughs> Sometimes I watch the DVD on the opera for three hours. <laughs>
0: nice. Okay, I did not know, about, know that about you. Okay, and there's one more question in the chat, and I think we'll end with this one. Mm. Uh, but Jin, Jin, Jingyang, mm. uh, could you ask your question?
1: Yeah. uh, Thank you, Professor Sean, for uh, sharing your story. I'm very happy to figure out I'm not the only person that I enjoy Netflix so much. Uh, So my question is about the academic writing. So recently Mm -hmm. I learned that actually being a researcher is actually being a professional writer. And I know Mm -hmm. you have to uh, clear your thoughts by writing more. And also there is a challenge of writing out your thoughts clearly right, and communicate right. with other people. Then, when I so, read all of the top journal papers and they all have very different writing styles. So it's very, uh, I, I found it's challenging to find my voice and my writing style. So I wonder how mm. you maybe share your story about right,
2: that. Right, right, right. That's a very good question. I actually emphasize the writing side to my PhD students <laughs> because I think that probably the paper, any paper is about 10% idea, 30% like a you know real work, data collection and sixty percent writing,
0: <laughs>
2: so I'm not sure how many versions of paper when I write you a know, piece yeah. right? because I think that that comes from our 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 discipline, so our disciplines rely on not on the mathematical model like in economics, so we rely on the verbal logic, so we have to write very clearly. So non-English speaker, it can be a challenge, but I think that if you think clearly, you can write very clearly in Korean. You can write clearly, if you can write clearly in Korean, if you can write clearly in Chinese, I think you can write clearly in English. So of course there is a minor grammatical issue, then you can rely on copy editor. So before I sending a paper to a journal, I always ask for a copywriting. So you, you don't want to be in a disadvantaged position, which you can fix with a $300 like a copy editing services. But before you send it to a copy editor, copy editor can only write, fix your Englishes. But the writing is your way of thinking. So if you can think very clearly, so even though your grammar can be wrong, but it can be fixable so go with a couple of hundred dollars.
0: That, that's a little secret, actually, for PhD students, is that most people don't realize a lot of us send our work to, to copy editors. Even English uh, writers do that on occasion. So uh, it's not that much money, and it's certainly worth the expense. So, so think about that. Uh, okay, I think it's time to end. And before we um, uh, convey our gratitude to Jin, uh Zhao, can you, wh- what's the next um, Meet the Scholar? When is it? Can you tell us? Uh,
3: yes, everyone. We have our next Meet the Scholar uh, on May 6th. Luis, is that right? May 6th with uh, Professor Bruce Kogut
0: okay oh. there please, you so. So is please join us oh, if you is right. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Telling me, that's the next one yeah
0: <laughs> very sure good oh. that that'll be great and for yeah. those of you who want to um understand what else we're doing take a look at our website sign up for our social media twitter linkedin instagram you'll learn all about the stuff that's that's happening um thank you for showing up, everybody. Uh, it's been wonderful to get your questions and to have your participation. And Sijin, thanks so much uh, for letting us, uh, for honoring us with your, your present.
2: <laughs> thank you very much, team, for having me. And thank you for for attending this talk. I hope to see you in person sometime in the near future.
0: Yes, I hope so, too. So long, everybody.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.